Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Plugs up top, 419, The Comedy Store, 930, Mike Glazer, ringing 420 in with a fabulous show, amazing lineup. Who's on there? Uh, 1030. Oh, 10. Sorry. I fucked up plugs right off the top. You were like, do you want to do them? And I said, yes. And then I'm blowing it. We both have to get better. Hit them again with it, Mary okay. Jane. Okay. Plugs up top, uh, 419, a 1030 show at The Comedy Store with Mike Glazer featuring an incredible lineup of comics, including Becky Robinson, Matt Edgar, Brian Moses, Temisal, Billy Wayne Davis, a surprise guest, guest brought to you by Urban Leaf Dispensary, which is right next door to the Comedy Store. So as we ring in 420, hop on over to Urban Leaf, buy yourself a blunt, use code Glazer23, get a big fat percentage off, and then come to the show. And then the very next day at uh, the Ice House in Pasadena, we have a 930 Weed and Grub live show with Lindsay Adams, Brian Babylon, and Jenny Zagrino, and it's going to be such a blast. We had an incredible time bringing our live show to SF Sketchfest, and we're going to do it again for all our lovely friends in LA, so head on over. Over there to get your tickets. Our link is in the show notes. Yes. And I also want to add, thank you all for listening. Please tell a bud about us because we just saw our um, chart information about oh, where yeah. we are on the comedy. Burt Kreischer, we're coming for you, baby. <laughs> we cracked into a new level this yep. past week. We got a little pop, pop. We got a little pop. And it's because of all of you leaving reviews, listening, telling more buds about us, following us on Instagram and YouTube. So thank you. And the machine, you're about to be broken <laughs> i'd also like to thank snoop dog up top because oh, yeah. <laughs> i think talking about him and his antics at wrestlemania are part of what gave us that little pop pop because people want to hear about that guy man so snoop if you're listening we're ready for you anytime you would be uh our, our ultimate guest i'm done with the yeah we're gonna wrap it up after that yeah after that seth rogan's like can i come on and i'm like no we had <laughs> we had snoop we sorry. had the goat <laughs> those are good plugs nice job yeah nice job do you uh, want to get into the actual episode now? Sure. All right, then I'm going to hit this. Okay. But And then are you going to say hello? Yes. Hold on. You're going to take a long time. Oh, my God. So I'm just going to sit here and vamp while you smoke that, and then you can hand it over. I'm going with glass pipe again. Oh, you're trying to make glass happen? I'm trying to bring glass back. That's like making fetch happen. Did you ever see Mean Girls? <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You don't think glass is Wait, on the is comeback? Wait, is fetch Mean Girls or Clueless? Clueless. Shit. I got that fucking wrong too. It's okay. I'm just blowing it. No, I got your back. That's what we do together. <laughs> we take care of each other. Um, but yes, I am trying to make fetch happen. You're trying to make glass happen. I saw you pull out that pipe a bunch uh, when we were running around town, downtown LA on the weekend. And people were like, what are you doing, man? That's crazy. That's a crazy move. Nobody, it, anytime you see a glass piece get busted out these days, it really is a, a double take. Yeah. Cause you've either got tech, like a beautiful Puffco proxy or something like that, or, you know, like a PAX or you've got a, a nice blunt or a pre-roll, but like pulling out a packed bowl, that's such like a weird fucking wook move. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's funny you say that too, because I kept offering it to everyone. Yeah. And they're like, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any lip sanitizer with me. <laughs> you'll smoke it. You'll smoke my joint, but you won't smoke my bowl. A hand it over. I'll smoke this bowl. What oh, is, what did you pack it with? Stony Moose from Alaska. Ah, thank you. I'm, I'm down to the very last 
a couple of bags of Ketchikan Stony Moose. Oh, I can share some with you. I still have a little Tupperware full. Man, it's just an all-day vibe for me. As I'm editing this special, yeah. I'm smoking Stony Moose, and um, it's a heck of a combo. It's I'm enjoying delicious. it. Which one is this? What flavor? Uh, that is the end of the Runts, and I can't remember the exact name. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's delicious. Thank you. So thank you for smoking my bowl. You're welcome. <laughs> trying to make glass happen. I'm trying. I think it's time for it to come back. Tech has had... Well, first, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Good. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy, cannabis, culture, cooking, calling shit out, and <coughs> smoking out a glass, evidently. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to say uh, uh, chaos. And chaos. It was, we saw some really wild shit this past weekend that it's, I cannot wait to get into with you. Yes, it has been a chaotic swirl. Holy <laughs> smokes. It's been fun. I've had a great week. I have too. Birthday swirls and then a downtown swirl. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we celebrated your birthday this weekend, and we also saw some shit that I will never forget. Well, let's get into it. Um, we are here in Petty Cash Studios, so if you're watching our YouTube, you can see that we've now got photos. So, Mark, if you could, producer Mark, put There's up our, our... Oh, great. There's our poster. Yeah. Come, come to our show at Ice House. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I have to finish this thought. Okay. I think tech has had its day, unless you're Puffco, mm -hmm. and Glass is back. I'm just calling it now. I don't now. think glass ever, ever went anywhere. Yes, it did. Nobody's carrying around bongs and glass pieces anymore. Maybe a Sherlock here or there at a at a festival, but nobody has a glass piece in their pocket. They never did, though. I have it. I keep it in my hoodie. I have never seen anyone run around with a glass pipe. It's a dugout, a blunt, or a, or a joint. Well, I need a dugout that'll fit this glass bowl because... Uh, Why it's you just, just loose chill him? Because it's just, well, it's still either way, it's loose in my hoodie pocket. And so at the end of the night, I just have ash all over my pocket. Yeah, it sounds like a terrible move, dude. You sound like you're being like a messy ass fucking stoner weirdo. Why don't you get like a nice glass chillum and a beautiful little dugout? I have one. Why don't you use it, you lunatic? Because You're like the one who's like constantly mad about things being messy. In fact, you just, as you got up and like crossed this room to go out and get something in the other's room, you were like, there's so much shit. Like, I don't know if you thought you were saying it under your breath, but no, I was I like, I Mike, Jesus Christ. There's like, yeah, wires and cameras and I have, stuff. I have problems why are you being with messy? wires. Yeah, why? but why are you being messier with your weed? I don't because I because because glass is back, baby, and I'm standing glass, by it. I I don't think glass ever went anywhere, and I'm standing by that. I just think it's 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 a home situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, pajamas never went anywhere either. You know, but you don't see them out in the world. Nobody wears pajamas. I wear pajamas. You're not. You don't go naked at night alone. No, oh my god, dude! What are you kidding me? There's fucking serial killers out there on the loose. I need to be fully clad at all times. <laughs> oh wait, are you wearing <laughs> shoes to bed? <laughs> They're next to my bed in case of an earthquake. So you know they, about that, right? No. You should always have a pair of shoes next to your bed in case of an earthquake, because one of the first things that can happen is that things will fall off the walls and shatter, and then you're walking on broken glass and bare feet while you're trying to like save your animals. So <laughs> I sleep in pajamas with shoes next to my bed. Yes. What a great tip. I never heard that, but I will Absolutely. actually do the same. What a great tip. Earthquake safety. Don't uh, let your car gas tank get less than half full. Always have, like I have propane and weed and Xanax and tampons and toilet paper and a sleeping bag and a tent and a bunch of stuff in my car at all times. Yeah, I'm prepared. And you sleep with all of those commem commemorative glass plates all around your ceiling, loosely right. hung on shelves. That's right. Just propped. <laughs> yeah. Just leaning a bit. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a commemorative plate collector. I also love the little spoons. <laughs> So that would be real tough on the toes. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. Just broken glass and tiny spoons. Would you get booties for all of your animals in a situation like that? Uh, Archie has booties and he refuses to wear them because he's a very good dog, but he um, won't have it when you put things on his feet or his face. And Bobo is just like made of fossilized 
cat granite or whatever it is. So he's like impervious to anything. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Good tips. Yeah. Good. This was great start with this good weed. See, I'm this saying loosey goosey. It's probably the the glass bowl is probably what's getting us so <laughs> so happy. If I, I were to guess. The, yeah. That that stony moose weed is fantastic. Um, Mark, <laughs> if you don't mind going to our first picture, so we could talk about this weekend that we had, the swirl. Thank you uh, to Courtney for signing up. Courtney Nichols is our friend who invited us to the opening of the Moxie AC Hotel in downtown LA. It was a friends and family situation. And we got to stay for two nights to kind of experience everything that the hotel has to offer in advance of it actually opening to the public. So it felt kind of like a real world situation because it was just like all of Courtney's cool, crazy friends. And then I guess a bunch of other normies who we didn't really interact with. <laughs> well, I know, and I will get into why in a moment. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into why in a moment. But I don't want to. I don't want to start talking smack before we celebrate the good. We have to say all of the good things. It was such an incredible time. It's if, the yeah. the location of this new Moxie AC hotel is so perfect too because it's across from Crypto Arena. So if you're going to see a Kings game or a Lakers game or anything and stay at that hotel, oh my gosh, you can just really turn up and like fall out into the street and then go to. LA Live, like it is the prime downtown location, yeah. as we discovered by making a bunch of new friends and running around downtown together all weekend. Yeah, it was so I I just really missed my um uh days of like really running around like that and doing this. And it just made me sort of open my mind up to doing that again now here in LA with new friends because it's my favorite thing to do is just like run out into the night and see what happens, you yeah. know? And that's so what we did. We hung out with uh shout out Amanda Savage. So fun. And uh, her uh Olivia Sliz, James. Yes. What up, what up, what up? All the fucking fun and cool people. And um on our first night we just kind of like ended up well I mean, how are we going to start this even? I'm going to start it with um, the cool thing about the Moxie and the cool thing about Courtney mm -hmm. is um, the fashion. The fashion game is so out of control. Unbelievable. So everyone there was so hot, so beautiful, so bold in what they were wearing. And it just made me realize like, you know, every every reality fashion show like America's Next Top Seamstress or mm -hmm. um, I Can Sew That or whatever the name of those shows are. Maybe yeah. maybe there's another one. Um, um, I can't think of any. Uh, Stitch me up, daddy. Uh, you know, Ooh. any of those reality. Oh, you yeah, like that one? I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> any of those reality shows. Um, it just makes me realize like how sick the fashion game is here in L.A. Mm -hmm. And um, shout out Blake with that trench coat, yo. Um, so everything about the moxie made me feel hip and cool, but also made me realize maybe some black jeans from the Gap ain't Yo, enough these days. That's so, so two pairs of black jeans from the Gap. That's all I own is two pairs of black jeans. I definitely need to level up my look. And for my birthday, I actually put a bunch of stuff on a credit card and had it delivered to my house. And I was so excited to wear it this weekend. Speaking of Blake's fucking awesome trench, I ordered myself a trench because when um, we were in Paris, I saw this woman walking down the street and she had the look I wanted. It was like powerful comfortable, sexy, just like had all the vibes and was like um, high-waisted, wide-legged pants with like really fucking cool sneakers, a long trench and then a, like a kind of clingy top. Mm. And she just looked so fucking great. And I was like, I'm going to get myself like some high-waisted, wide-legged pants and a trench. And so I ordered it all online and it came. And the pants, great. The trench coat made me look like Paddington Bear. <laughs> How so? What do you mean? Because it was so big. It was so oversized that it was swimming on me. I'm, I'm not a small person. Currently, I'm not small at all. And uh, I'm very curvy. And um, 
So I ordered a size that I thought would fit me. Evidently, that size is way bigger than I actually am. Papa bear. <laughs> yeah, it looked <laughs> crazy. And the sleeves were really long. I was like, is this made for a giant? So anyway, I had to return it. But I am excited. I've like set my sights on getting like a cool, cultivating a cool new look that involves great outerwear and some statement pieces. Heck yes. That's, we got to go. Also natural fibers. I'm throwing everything that is not like cotton or linen or any other kind of natural fiber just the fuck out. That's great. Polyester, get away from me. Yeah. I think no if more. you have the opportunity to do that, that's a really good call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have we have covered <laughs> how great the Moxie is and how great Courtney is. And yeah. we will get back to our new friends in a moment. And you can also see how great Courtney looks. I don't know if you can accurately see it in this photograph, but like she always looks so incredible and she's always wearing pieces that are just in, in and of themselves like a piece of art. It's very cool. This she is a walking like, piece of art. She absolutely is. This was a sweater that had like these incredible standout cherries that were like big sort of pom-poms all over. It was fucking, she's sexy. And then sexy beast. the drama happened. Then the drama. I mean, listen, it was opening weekend. Everyone was getting their sort of sea legs. Open bar. Open bar. Everyone who was working was just like truly like doing everything for the first time. Like I think the kitchen was truly putting out food for a big crowd for the first time. The bartenders were serving, you know, uh, people who were really clamoring for drinks for the first time. It was all first time stuff. None of that is their fault. No. But we all got in an elevator to go from the bar up to the rooftop or maybe to our rooms to get changed for the evening. I can't remember right. exactly why, but we all got into an elevator together and had to go roughly 10 floors up or down. Wait, before you talk about what happened in the elevator, because it involves the same people, is, these are the people who bullied the wait staff over getting the sliders, right? Yeah. So it's the same people, two stories. Yeah. So the first story that I want to tell, though, is because when we were still in that sort of room where everyone was being given free oh, food okay. and drink and all that kind of stuff, and all these lovely wait staff are like, welcome. This is our first weekend of being open. Would you like a beautiful cocktail or a glass of wine? Would you like this you know, past appetizer? And everything was delicious and everything was circulating and we were all sharing. But there was this one corner table that just like held down the floor next to the kitchen and every appetizer board that would come out, they would just clear it. <laughs> and there were these sliders that were coming out. Everyone wanted to get a slider because that was kind of like the, you know, you know what they were the premium app. What? They were like the, um, the prison guard who's right at the front gate <laughs> yeah. so that any prisoner who tries to escape just gets mowed down by no a machine gun immediately. There is no app that escaped them. I was so excited at one point when I saw the door open to the kitchen and one of these lovely servers came out and he tried to pass their table with a tray full of sliders and they flagged him down and they took all of them. And I was like, yo, you can't bully the wait staff into giving you that whole tray. That's for the room. And then if you saw their table, <laughs> they had... Small plates yes. filled with the bruschetta, filled with the chorizo tacos, yep. filled with sliders. It they was were like buffeting a, themselves. It was totally, it was totally like. And this sweet server can't yep. say, no, I have to go to other people. No. I, I, well, I remember looking at you and saying, like, I, I used to work. There was a place in New York that I worked that did a lot of catering of holiday parties. And it was sort of a similar vibe. Like, there was always, you know, the swirl and everyone's, like, waiting for things to come around. And then there's always, like, someone who posts up next to the kitchen door because they really want the short ribs or whatever. And I just remember having to be, of course, like, gracious and, like, yes. Oh, I would love to get – oh, you're looking for the smoked salmon? Let me just check on that for you and, like, trying to accommodate them. But also, like, it's not, like, a la carte, you know? Like, it's just past apps at a party. So – I just fully remember how that felt. And I looked at this server and I saw the pain in his eyes because he saw me look at the sliders and I could see that we were maybe he was going to try and get one to me. But then he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. <laughs> also, there was eight sliders on each tray mm -hmm. and there was only six of them. And, and they took all eight. And they took all eight. It was wild. It, it was, was 
wild. So wild. So yeah. you uh-huh. said you did a hold my martini moment, <laughs> which was so boss. Hold my free martini. Hold uh-huh. my free martini. Mm-hmm. I Justice will prevail. I'm not going to let this poor server get bullied by these people. You saved the server and you saved the day for the rest of the night. Like I, I don't think enough people realize, I'm just going to say before you explain it, okay. I don't think enough people in that moxie realize what you did for the community at large. Oh, wait, I don't know what I did. You saved the day so that more apps could get to us. Oh, how did I do that? Because you stood up for um, the common man by fighting for oh, sliders. I did, okay. <laughs> well, I did get a slider. And uh, it was delicious. So I'm trying to tee you up for an epic tale like Batman. Oh, well, I'm not going to lie about it. I just got a slider and ate half of it and handed you the other half and felt satisfied. <laughs> That's what happened. Kind of anticlimactic, but uh, no, these people were just I'm, wild. Let me tell it. Uh, you, okay. Let me tell it. Go ahead. So we're standing there mm-hmm. and you have your martini and I have my glass of uh, Sauvignon Blanc and they keep getting all the sliders. They took eight even though there was only six of them, and then he had to leave again with an empty tray. He came back out with more. They flagged him down again, took more of them, and you said, hold my martini. I'm getting us a slider. And you went over there, and you interrupted, and they all looked up at you like, what is she doing? And you took a slider off of his thing and turned around and walked away, and they all mean mugged you as you walked back to me. And then you took a big fat bite of that slider and grabbed your martini and took a swig. (laughs) And then you said, would you like half of this? And I said, I would love half of that. And we ate that slider together in triumph over that greedy table. And then the next time that that guy came out with sliders, he could make an, uh, he could avoid them because you showed the need and the demand of sliders in the entire bar and not just for those greedy pigs. Okay. I hope, I hope that the, uh, okay. That's what I saw. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you. It was awesome. I didn't see the mean mugging because my back was to them when I was walking towards you. So if they were, in fact, giving me evil looks from behind my back, I didn't actually know that. The nut lady was. Oh, the nut lady. Okay. So so this is part two of this story of this group of people. So then we uh, exit this area to go to a different part of the hotel because we're exploring the whole thing. There's like I think when the whole thing opens, my understanding is that there's going to be a nightclub on the rooftop, and then there's a whole floor where there's just going to be a ton of restaurants, like eight different restaurants, and then there's a pool and a fitness center. Like most, I guess most hotels have that, but it was just like running around, very fun and exciting to see all the different spaces. So we were leaving to go to another part of the hotel. I don't remember which part. I'd taken mushrooms at this point. Things got a little blurry, but um, in a fun way, in a sparkly way. We get into the hotel elevator. We it's there are just four of us getting onto the elevator to go to another area, and then the nut uh, woman, the these like slider bullies, the these <laughs> the, this group of people, they're who slider may be bullies. very lovely. Nope. I truly don't know, but it was two interactions over two. They're slider bullies. Yeah, so the slider bullies get onto the elevator. That's a lot of them. I think there were six of them, like you said. So now we're 10 people packed onto this elevator. Again, the hotel isn't open. Like they could have waited for like 30 seconds for another elevator to come. It's not like Either it was a busy night. Either for all of them or split in half and you're all going yeah, to the same place. It was really weird the way they all packed on. Oh, and I remember that it was so crazy because we were only going one floor down. 
we were just going one floor down. So all of a sudden we're like all crammed into the back of this elevator with all of these people deep in front of us, wedged in. The doors close. We go down one floor and then we're fighting to get off. And as we're fighting to get off, we notice that one of the slider bullies has taken an entire bowlful, we have a picture of it here, an entire bowlful of Marcona almonds from like the little free sort of olive and cheese and snack station that was on offer at the bar. So these Marcona almonds were in a big bowl with a spoon on offer for anyone who wanted to come up and make themselves a little cheese plate with a cracker and a wedge of cheese and an olive. This woman had taken the entire bowl. I mean, it was probably $100 worth of Marcona almonds. Yeah, it was filled to the brim. Yeah. Marcona almonds, are. I buy them sometimes as a treat, like twice a year. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, like a Christmas or something. I'm like, you know, this $20, four ounce of Marcona almonds. It was truly like an astonishing amount that not one, one person could never eat that many almonds. What was she going to do? Like dump them into her cosmetic bag? I just, I don't know, just the boldness of lifting an entire obvious for everyone wild. situation and then taking it back to your yeah. hotel room is, <laughs> is so obscene and insane to me. Totally. And then I think she might've done it out of spite because she saw you get on the elevator. She was like, you're going to take our sliders and I'm going to show you what could happen. Oh, and they followed us out and then like jammed us up. Uh -huh. Yeah. That, it did feel like, f like fairly aggressive. The whole thing felt like it was a very strange encounter. I don't know who they were. Hopefully they also had a great time. I mean, they're either yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to know who they are. Okay. They're slider bullies. They're yeah. not for me. But it's just like the boldness of those kinds of people makes me so uncomfortable because a part of me wishes I was that because it's it's a level of confidence or obliviousness or both that allows you just to be the most selfish human being on earth and yeah. only think about that. Yeah. And a part of me wishes I had that so that I could be a slider bully instead of being like, oh, maybe they'll come over here next time. You know, it's, just being like, I need all those sliders for my crew. Yeah. And I'm going to be a hero. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that sort of idea about like just making a conscious decision to not care about how it makes other people feel. I just had someone comment uh, on, on a post that I'd made on Instagram that uh, when she switched from being progressive to being conservative, she was like, when I switched from left to right, I noticed how much less miserable I was. And I was like, well, yeah, because you just went from caring about other people to not caring about other people. Of course, that's much more comfortable for you. Yeah. But uh you know, I don't think it's a good choice. Yeah. You well, know? I feel like that also ties in hand in hand with um, um, like this Gerard Carmichael joke where he talks about how he used to be left uh -huh. and then he started making a lot of money. Right. And, and all of a sudden the right made a lot more sense. Of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You take care of you. You take care of yourself, at yeah. least financially. You I'm retain not your assets. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not obviously not doing his joke. He's very funny. But that was the, the premise was that. Yep. that like thinking about me first. Right. Yeah. Um, before we go on, I realized, Mark, we didn't put a um, a timer up, but uh, I don't even remember. I don't know how long we've been talking now. Mark okay, said we've Mark's been doing five minutes. We've been talking for 17 hours and... It's a marathon. Oh, he said a, 20 in. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Oh, okay. So so we've talked about some of the drama yes. from the Moxie. We've talked about the celebration of the Moxie. I also want to get into the new friends we met at the Moxie because I had one of the best late night dinner experiences of my entire oh, life. Oh my God. It was freaking magical. I want to hang out with these people more and just live like this all the time. Yeah. Well, I think it's like- <laughs> Thank you, you producer Mark, for fix fixing our clock. Sweet. 
Oh, well, Mark, everybody says that they want to see yeah, you on camera. And I keep being like, you're like the, <laughs> like you're, you're the Wilson of Petty Cash Studios. He's so stealthy. Yeah. You won't even ever hear his voice on air. Best producer in the world. We can describe him. He's wildly handsome. He he looks like Archer if Archer were actually in human form. That's a good description. Yeah, right? He's kind of an, he's got an Archer vibe. Yeah. Great description. <laughs> All right. Um, so... We uh, we took mushrooms. Everyone was smoking out of my glass bowl because yes. they were like, "Man, it's so cool that that's what you bring around." Oh my god! And uh, and then all of us and I had a doink. I smoked a um, red Congolese doink. Yeah, that Amanda gave me. That was Delicious. real nice too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we all separately had the same idea, which was I've always wanted to go to Pine and Crane, yes. which is this um, of note restaurant here in LA. I think yeah. there's two locations. It's a Taiwanese um, place that's just fucking bomb. And so the, I, I have quite a few things to say about this place. But <laughs> first of all, we got in there. We rolled in like around 920. The place supposedly closes around 10. But we rolled in like 10 people deep, grabbed a bunch of menus. You order at the uh, register and then they just bring everything out to your table. Uh, Ikea Ikea style. It was such a good time because they gave just all 10 of us one number, even though we had all ordered and paid kind of separately. So all of the food just came out super, super, super family style. And even though we were just meeting these people, like everyone was sharing everything and it was so fantastic. Yeah. Plates of pork were getting passed left and right. There was a shrimp ramen dish that was going around. Um, there, uh, what Crispy were daikon. Crispy daikon. So delicious. Fuck. That might've been my bite of the night. Oh shit. Sorry. I'm, I, that, that's a Doughboys thing. Sorry. I, I, I listened to them so <laughs> much i love them so much bite of the night bite of the night that's a mitch thing okay um that might have been my um my um (laughs) does he have it trademarked no but it's his own idea what it's a that's my cream corner yeah thank you producer mark (laughs) my cream corner is that fried daikon with whatever that seasoning was it was was so creamy and crispy Mm -hmm. yeah um Um, wait with the other the night before we went to Pine and Crane, we had this savage moment happen where we were hanging out. Uh, we were trying to get into this place called Joey, and they told us it was going to be a half hour wait. So we went to a place across the street with friends, and then they had more friends come to meet them. And just as those friends showed up and were at the bar ordering a drink, we got an alert that our table was ready. <laughs> And we were all so stoned and hungry that we didn't even wait for the friends at the bar. And we just like crossed the street. Like I ran through traffic to get to that restaurant. (laughs) It was savage. It was was savage. Savage. So yeah, by the time we got in the restaurant and we're all ready to order, the other two people who ordered their own drink, chugged it and then got across the street were like, what the fuck? I would normally, that's such bad manners. I would normally never leave anyone in the dust. Like if I'm traveling with a group, if I'm, especially if I'm dining with a group, I would never, I feel like I was being a slider bully in that moment. Like mm. I was taking care of my own needs, not thinking about anyone else's potential like hunger level or need for, you know, anything. I was just like, get me the fuck. I was a fucking, I was a conservative. I was like a GOP eater. Whoa. Oh no. How did it go? How did it feel though? Cause you did. Terrible. I had no. diarrhea later. You did. Yeah. That midnight burger was a bad idea. Nobody needs to hear about my diarrhea though. Oh, the mush mushrooms, oh. burger and diarrhea. That's or but mushrooms <laughs> and a late night burger and some sushi <laughs> and two martinis. Yeah, that's a yeah, bad mix. It was a bad mix. Yeah. Learned my lesson, ate clean the next day. Um, did great. But I think in that moment, you being a GOP eater and being like the reservation was made. We our table has been called. It yeah. is a hard table to get. I don't care who I leave in the fucking dust. I'm getting there and I'm yeah, gonna yeah. sit down and look at that whole menu and order everything I want before the kitchen closes. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to 
what I wanted to say about Pine and Crane and Joey's mm-hmm. uh, before we get into. Well, first I'll say the Pine and Crane meal. The food is fantastic. The company was great. I love a family style spread. Mm-hmm. But both of those nights, because of timing wise, we were there with only around 40 to 45 minutes until close. Yes. And I get crazy anxiety about that. I know you do. It's so funny. Sometimes I hate it so I'll suggest much. going to a place that closes at 10 and I'll be like, it's only 9.30 and you get really like bent out just, of shape I about say it. no, I won't do it. As someone who worked in restaurants though, I can tell you that the posted closing time is where they stop seating people. That is not actually when they need to shut down the restaurant. Like I worked at a place where the look closing- at Mark. Look at Mark. Yeah, Mark. I worked in restaurants for 20 years, dude. <laughs> Mark's going crazy over there. I'm not saying I liked it, but if the posted closing time was 12 o'clock and someone walked in at 11.45, we would seat them as though it was 8 o'clock and we would give them the attention that we would give to a table that was seated at 8 o'clock. And I know it makes you crazy. And not any any restaurant worker who's listening to this is like, yeah, fuck a table that walks in at 11.45. But I'm not going to like not walk into a, I'm not going to walk in 50 minutes before closing. But like this place, I would have walked in half an hour before and stayed until 10.15. That's fine. I think that if it closes at 10 and it's 9.30, you can't go. Oh, God. I really do. We really disagree. Because it makes me so anxious. I'm truly like looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be 10. It's going to be 10. We have to eat real quick and get out here because they want to go home and I don't want to bother them. And I don't want to see. I'm such a progressive that I I guess. Yeah, I'm a I'm a a GOP or when it comes to restaurants and you're a fucking lib. uh (laughs) (laughs) You care too much about the restaurant workers. And I'm like, ah, they're fucking making money. What are we doing? You know, I'm going to live them a nice tip. (laughs) Mark is going to kill me when we walk yeah. out here. Mark said the 9.30, if it closes oh, at 10, only. is to go only. That The last I half hour is an only to go time. There's, there. well, okay. We, we can actually, I would love to hear from folks who listen to this podcast, your thoughts on this, because there are so many different ways of thinking. Like when I worked at the NoHo Star, which was the place that closed at midnight, we actually were not allowed to technically lock the door until 12.05. And I think I've talked about it on here. There was one rich photographer dude who lived across the street and he would stroll roll on in at 12.04 and order a fucking medium rare steak and a bottle of wine. And it was just infuriating. But, you know, I would just send everyone home and I would stay as, you know, with one server. I was a manager at the time and uh, it made me crazy. But also, you know, that's that's just what you deal with. Um, So I guess I'm uh, wow. Because super Republican when it comes to that shit. And you drive me crazy with it. (laughs) Sorry. Because, Because the two things that drive me the craziest about you that I've also tried to learn to accept and go with the flow with because I know that um, sometimes my anxious bullshit is a little unwarranted and yes, out of pocket. Definitely. Um, and I'm aware of that as well. But like you wanting to go to a restaurant at 930 that closes at 10 and then I'm like looking around at 1008 and we're the only people in there and you still have half a glass of that wine. That is not ever the case. That is never the case. That is an absolute fucking lie. 10, I will 15, never be the last 10... table in a restaurant. That is where I draw the line, Mike. That okay. is a fucking lie. Okay. I would never be the last table in a restaurant. I will walk into a restaurant. I'm sorry, I'm pointing at you. I'm getting okay. very, very Good. upset about that. Yeah. I would walk into a restaurant at 9.30 and order you know, a dish that I feel like they can appropriately prepare and serve to me in the half hour before closing. And then I will finish my glass of wine in that 15 minutes after closing. But I certainly won't be the last table and I'm never going to hold up anyone from going home. Ever. So if we were, if it was like 10.06 and they mm-hmm. close at 10 and we were the kind of the last table in there, it would be time to go. And we would I just would have like, paid the check and I would be finishing my wine. Absolutely. But if okay. there are like five other tables in there, I'm going to take my time. See, uh, okay. <laughs> Even with those five other tables there, I don't want to be 
in the in the mix with that riffraff. I don't want to be in the mix with okay. these un uh, with these selfish uh, GOP eaters <laughs> who are just like, well, if they're here, I'm here, and if I'm here, th like that's how we get. That's how we get into bandwagon I, bullshit, man. Not, and next it, thing you know, it's an hour later and there's six tables and I, now it's over. Totally. I don't disagree with you. I also just feel like I put in my time in restaurants for 20 years where truly like I started working in restaurants, I think when I was 17 or 18 and I worked my last brunch shift when I was 38. Mm -hmm. Like I was, you know, yes. there. Yes. Um, so I feel like that's part of it. And also like I'm a great tipper and I'm nice to servers and I don't send things back and I'm never going to be disrespectful and I'm never going to be too loud and I'm never going to be the one who's like bitching because you're out of something. Like I'm I'm a good customer and I feel like what I bring to, you know, a place is like that's the payoff is that I can stay a few minutes after closing if I'm not the last table and if I'm enjoying my last bites. And I think that is where we differ that I can work on and maybe you can work on, we can meet in the middle, is <laughs> your ability to enjoy those last bites and enjoy your last sips of wine and actually sip them and not gulp them. And for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm for 9.59 <laughs> and then you better start chugging and I better start scarfing because Ooh. we are out of here in the next 60 seconds because I can't I can't enjoy the meal after their the posted closing posted hour. Closing hour. I it. can't enjoy it anymore. It's time to go. Okay. That's Noted. how I feel. This is where we'll have to meet in the middle. Yeah. So this is a great place for people to chime in like Allie did with bananas and every and my brother and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you stand on restaurant closing etiquette? Is this a good spot to read our latest letter that we got? Oh, that's perfect. From a friend? Yes. Actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark, if we can skip his head in the pictures, yeah, we'll a, get back to those. We've got to skip. But oh, there here it we is. Go, we've and got, I'll pull it up. Yeah, we've got a fun letter and thank you everyone to, for writing in. We've actually been getting more letters lately. And uh, if you have something to say, uh, you can always slide into our DMs at Weed and Grub on Instagram or um, email us at wg at weedandgrub.com. We love hearing from y'all. So, What up, Eric? How's it going? Thank <laughs> you for your letter, Eric uh, from Richmond. Uh, so I'm just going to read some of this. Good morning, Mary Jane and Mr. Glazer. <laughs> Stumbled upon your podcast and feel like we've been chatting together for years. So connected. My wife and I are your East Coast soulmates. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like, LOL, you both literally leave me laughing out loud while providing a wealth of information. Super, super excited about MJ's fellowship and how much she is radiating, talking about the history and all the information she has learned. We're about Thank to get you. into more of that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at 55, it has me thinking about cannabis programs as well. Cool. We're semi-experienced cultivars. I worked on a cannabis farm and lived, oh, I don't want to say these places, um, worked on a cannabis farm and I have four plants for personal. Can't nice. transport more than an ounce at a time, but you know, we are doing what we can. I'm going to skip a little of this because I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable saying it on the pod. Um, <laughs> couple things about, uh, he says, I got a couple of cookies cooking in the oven. Um, and a side note, psilocybin for treatment. Very interested in MJ's experience as it sounds reliable and legit. And my wife and I want to try it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so maybe we can get into that a little bit, but I also just want to say, Eric, thank you for the letter. And also, um, you've been making some really cool comments on our YouTube and everywhere else. So just yeah. like much love, much love to you and your wife. Um, my two soulmates, nice. your, your soulmates too. Yeah. Okay. We're all soulmates. Sweet, sweet sparkle. Um, ketamine. 
ketamine and psilocybin. I've uh, been getting some really wonderful psilocybin microdoses lately at like 200 milligram capsules. I've gotten them from a couple of different spots. I got some from one of our new friends this weekend and um, really enjoyed those. And then also um, there's another place and I just like, it's really interesting to try different people's um, microdose capsules that they're making and, and how they, um, how I experience them. And it's really helping with, um, uh, just kind of like regulating my mood. I want to say, I don't nice. want to like, you know, go much further than that. Cause I really don't, you know, obviously I'm not a prescribing physician and I'm not an actual medicinal patient technically, but, um, do we want to put another picture up? Yes. Okay. Um, because I also just realized that, uh, Mark, can you go backwards, please? I realized the parts that I wanted to skip were also in that picture. They were on the screen. Yeah, they were on that screen. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was looking at it. And you're like, I'm not going to say that. And I was like, well, it's fully in the video. So <laughs> anyway, this is why I'll never get away with a crime. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to be a good murderer. You're I'm never going to be. <laughs> you're so nervous. Like, you won't stay in a restaurant past the moment that it's posted closing. Closing. You like, yeah, you yeah when they when um i'm too considerate mm -hmm. you know what i mean truly like i do think about that sometimes i, I think you're like, too considerate i think you're i'm too considerate overly considerate yeah to the point where it's like unnecessary i would i would push back against that <laughs> i think i'm too nice <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> i think i'm that's one thing that i saint. wouldn't say about you is that you're too nice no like i think you're nice uh -huh. but i don't think you're too nice okay <laughs> <laughs> also i don't think you can call yourself too nice you know, like you can never really self-diagnose. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. And I was like, it's not up to me. I got to let other people draw their conclusions about me and then hopefully let me know if I'm fucking up. But like, you know, I can't really know whether or not I'm a good person. I just have to do my best all the time. Truth. You know? Yeah. And not get pushed around. Not get pushed around and truly, truly, truly do your best. And then hopefully you're, you will, you will understand how well you're doing because of the um, returns that you get in friendship and love and general sort of like goodness in the world. Like that's what lets you know, not because you tell yourself. I actually heard a, a someone say the other day, just randomly, I heard this girl say, um, she was like, her friend was running late to meet her mm -hmm. and she said well that's okay because that means i just get to spend uh, more time with my favorite person me and i was like what a wild thing to say is you know? she funny i don't know I, I just overheard it it was like at a cafe and i right. was like what a what a crazy thing to say that you're your own favorite person i was just i'm so uncomfortable that's where my anxiety kicks in i have like massive anxiety around what other people think of me. Right. Um, well, you couldn't even have... tell the slider story good. And I thought it was pretty badass. And you're like, and then I got a slider. I don't know. You... I just get worried that people are just going to be like, shut up. You you know, that's not how it happened or whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly know? how it I happened. I have wicked anxiety around that. That's, uh, that's where my anxiety lies. Is where? Around um, how, how I am perceived by other people and what other people think of me. And it's like a lifelong journey to work on it. It's not like I'm not working on it all the time, but I'm still aware of the fact that it like, it, like there's a lot of shit that um, gets into my head about like, oh no, what, what would that person think if I did X, Y, and Z or said X, Y, and Z? Interesting. So sure. a lot of your anxieties are external, external coming internal. Like you're thinking about the outside world coming back and how it's perceiving you. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because all of mine is internal mm -hmm. and it makes me vibrate at a level that I can't really deal with the external. Yeah. So we really are 
the flip of the flop. I think we're, the, we're also, I think, very sort of traditionally speaking in very binary terms, I think that's quite masculine and feminine because I think that I was cons- sort of conditioned as a, at a young age to really worry about what the world thought of me and how I was seen by society. And, you know, that's just the reality, I think, of, you know, moving through the world as a, as a woman who grew up in the, you know, 80s and 90s, like that for certain, like, I think it's a little different today, not necessarily better. I think social media is its own fucking magnifying lens of hell. But I also think that um, kids are not necessarily raised to believe in societal conditioning in the same way. But and then your sort of like internal is like you, you your your own self first. Yes. Is what sort of like is traditionally, I think, thought of as fairly masculine. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go too much deeper because I we would have to start talking about the internet instead of your fellowship. <laughs> but that's yes. interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. High thoughts. Well. Just rambling. I I just, like last night I was at the Hollywood Improv mm-hmm. and I couldn't talk to anyone. Like I couldn't bring myself to like talk to anyone. I didn't know where to stand. I didn't know what to do with my hands. Everyone there is so nice. Everyone's like, what's up, dude? But I truly like couldn't get words out of my fucking throat. What if you came up with something really cool to do with your hands? And then that was like an icebreaker. Like, what if you just did this? Oh, that'd be fun if I'm just like <laughs> doing peace signs. Yeah. Yeah. Little like, uh, what are they? Finger like tutting. This? Finger tut. Yeah. If I'm always <laughs> finger tutting. That's an icebreaker. What's that guy doing over there? Let's go talk to him. He looks interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If I, I, uh, Mark suggested a sock puppet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's to talk for me, like Mr. Great, Mr. Whatever his name is. Great icebreaker. Mr. South Park teacher. But so you um, were, you're, you're there, you're not talking to people. You're feeling kind of locked inside yourself. Yeah. What did you do? Um, went home. Wow. Yeah. A really sweet girl named Margot talked to me a bit and we had a conversation and it was nice, but it was like also f- for me, I'm just like my, and so I just like went back home. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. So, yeah. um, but putting yourself out there, I guess, is the first part. And the second part is getting good at finger tutting. So, fucking great. So can... Social anxiety is absolutely alleviated by finger tutting. I truly believe this. this <laughs> Jeez, is the cure. I love that you're not a doctor, so you don't want to go into ketamine. But if it comes to my own personal anxiety, yeah. finger tutting is the prescription. Watch a TikTok or two, you know, pick, pick, pick up some. Some tricks, and uh, I promise you, it's like card tricks. You know, <laughs> everyone who does card tricks. Oh, there was a magician at the hotel too. Did you see the magician walking around doing sleight of hand? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was such a fun weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellowship. What's okay. up? You're an A plus student, I Mary Jane. I wanted to bring you a, a little update about some stuff that I'm learning at the fellowship. Oh, can you go back for a second, Mark? Because I'm going to get to this in a moment. I just put up a lovely picture of cannabis that we took at the Stony Moose Gardens in Ketchikan because. Of uh, this week in particular, the class, so we've had two weeks of class. The first was law and policy, and the second week was um, cannabis um, taxonomy, so like how it's named, nomenclature, and more biology, biological stuff. And I learned so much. I actually sat here in Pettycash Studios and took like eight hours to like listen to all the seminars and turn in a term paper. And I wanted to just talk about one, there's so much that I've learned. Um, And just these two weeks, it's really incredible. But the one thing that I learned that was the coolest was about why sativa versus indica is just not useful at all. And I think I found a way to to talk about it that will make help me sort of break it down in a way to be able to talk about it to anyone. And that's the next slide. This is cool because there have been in the past year or so, so many people who have who have been actualing 
sativa indica hybrid. Mm-hmm. Actually, it doesn't exist. Actually, we can't use that anymore. Actually, that's outdated terminology. Right. This is the first time I've talked to someone who's in the middle of a scholastic scientific fellowship <laughs> who is not just trying to like what I feel like is um, move some narrative to serve their product or brand. Right. This is purely, purely, purely academic. And the way that it was taught in this uh, seminar, and then I had to actually do sort of like a nomenclatural review. So it's really helped me understand what the deal is. It's purely academic. There's, There's no interest in here. The deal is cannabis, it's all one plant, right? Like hemp, sativa, all of the hybrids, they are all cannabis sativa. And that designation was given in 1753 by Linnaeus, who was like the dude who basically figured out how to name plants. And so when you're naming anything in the scientific world, the it's always two names. So like um, brown trout, for instance, is Salmo trutta. That's the um, genus and then the species. So, um, and there are like a bunch of different, you know, like above that, there's like, you know, huge amounts of scientific names and stuff. But when you're referring to any creature, plant, any species in particular, it's two words and it's always the genus and the species. So cannabis, the family is cannab uh, I think it's called cannabisier, but it, and that includes a bunch of other plants. And then cannabis is um, the plant and it's designated as sativa. So that's the species, cannabis sativa. Everything is cannabis sativa. Hemp is cannabis sativa. Indica is cannabis sativa. Sativa is cannabis sativa. It's just one species of plant. Okay. So a species means that all of the different variations of that plant can look different, but they're all, when you go right down to the DNA, they're all similar enough that they cannot be distinguished from one another. So for instance, like when you run the DNA coding for like a human and a chimp, there's an 8% difference in our DNA. It's not a whole lot, but it's a significant amount, even though we're like very, very similar. And the threshold for declaring something, um, whether or not it's sort of like dissimilar enough to be its own species is 2.7%. When you look at all of the cannabis plants, sativa, what are termed indica, what, you know, hybrids, hemp, uh, autoflowering, all of them, the difference in DNA coding with all of those different kinds of plants is only around 0.4%. They are all the same species. So that's why indica and sativa are actually not useful. It's because sativa and indica were sort of considered to be expressions of that one species. But now they have all been interbred so much that everything is hybridized. So it's it's like scientifically just not useful. Everything is cannabis sativa. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, how can I talk about this on the pod to make it not super academic? And I was like, oh, it's like the domestic house cat. So house cats are Felis catus. Okay. is the the genus and the species. That's all domestic house cats fall under that scientific name. But then like we have on this slide you have all of these different breeds and hybrids. All of, all of these cats are considered to be Felis catus. So like every cannabis breed, if you've got, you know, um something that is truly considered like a land race um sativa like Durban poison for instance, that is just one version of cannabis. It's not its own species. So that species of Durban poison is still cannabis sativa. Correct. Everything is cannabis sativa. Wow. If it's a gelato, if it's a ruderalis, if it's a fucking hemp plant that is just, you know, purely grown for fiber, it's all cannabis sativa. So all cats are felinus notus or whatever it is. <laughs> yes, catus. Catus. Felinus catus. All domestic catus. house cats. All domestic house cats. Yeah, but then if you have like a panther or a jaguar or a cheetah, those are different species. Okay. 
But that wouldn't fall under the cannabis plant. Those lions and jaguars wouldn't fall under cannabis sativa. They'd fall under their own species, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. they would. They would be Felis jaguaris, or you know, I don't actually know the scientific names for those. I'm sure you're close. Animals, but um, huh? Yeah, like Felis is the family, so they would be cat. So Felis, and then the species would be, yeah, probably you know something close to what the common name is in many cases. So even though it's all under cannabis sativa as a species, every everything that we smoke, everything that we do, is it fair to say that everything is a hybrid of cannabis sativa then? Yes. And that's the other thing, the other kind of cool um, demarcation is that there are subspecies and a subspecies is basically like um, in the wild, you know, so there's cannabis sativa, obviously is everything. And then there are all of these different varieties. And if something is its own specific variety where you can ascribe a set of very specific characteristics to it, which are morpho like um, that you can see with your eye, morphological or biological that you can see with you know a microscope at the cellular microscope at the cellular level, or even um, you know the DNA level. If it has enough things that sort of make all of that one type of cannabis sativa look the same, then you can call that a subspecies. And there are currently four recognized subspecies of cannabis sativa, but they're subspecies. They're not, it's all one species. And from those subs, you would root down into more and more and like all the branches can go from there as well. That's kind right? of it. Th those, oh, are, that's those, all. those are the only scientific definitions. It's all cannabis sativa. And then there's cannabis sativa subspecies indica, cannabis sativa subspecies sativa, and there are four total recognized um, subspecies. But it's not really taxonomically um, helpful to talk about them scientifically as anything other than just sativa, cannabis sativa. That was my ex my next dumb question is like, what do I do with this information now? Especially as a either a <laughs> consumer or, you know what I mean? Because everything is I, like, now we're in this state of the culture where it's like calm, comfort. Right. Oh, you need like a 75% um, THC indica doop bop boop boop. And it's, a, it's $80, but it's worth it because of um, the sleep you're going to get. Like all of yeah, this yeah, yeah. shit is going on in the market. So like what, how, how, what does this tell me? Oh, so that's an awesome question. So the great thing that um, we can now look at is really like you're saying, it's about the cannabinoids. It's particularly about what the cannabinoids are going to do to affect you and what you're particularly looking for. If it is effect-based, you're going to want to look at the cannabinoid profile. And I think we already pretty much know this, that you want to look at the cannabinoid profile and also the terpenes to some degree to see how they're going to affect you rather than sort of say like, oh, this particular strain is going to be good for sleep or this particular, you know, edible that's made with this, you know, one kind of infusion is going to be good for, you know, going out and dancing or whatever the fuck it is. Like you want to look at the cannabinoid profile of and the ratio of THC to CBD to CBN to CBG and all those different things and also what the um, terpene profile is to some degree because those will, you know, just I'm, I'm going to learn more about it this week because we're cool. in chemistry now. I think the exciting thing about that is because um, for the people listening to this who have not been to a dispensary or seen like um, legal packaging. It, it it's it's the most convoluted nutrition facts I've ever seen in my life. Like there right. is no there's no correct way to write that nutritional fact the way that there is in the FDA for like cereal. Every cereal box, the nutritional facts are laid out in a very clean, understandable way. And on the side of a package of flour, it's it's a mishmash of bullshit half the time. And it's yeah. all such tiny print that it's almost not helpful unless you're carrying your jeweler's loop with you to the dispensary. So yeah. if we can actually move away from indica sativa hybrid and big up the font of terpene profiles and of these percentages, 
that is why something like this to me is valuable to learn. Yeah. Because like, now we oh, don't you're need looking, it. You're looking for a main coon. Okay. That's going to be like this particular combination of cannabinoids and terpenes. Oh, oh, you're looking for like a, you know, a, a Persian. Like yeah. that's going to be this, this combination of stuff, but it's really not about sativa indica hybrid exactly as you're saying. And, um, and just also to know that like people who are doing research on cannabis just consider it all one plant with different expressions. And I think that that's not news news, but it was explained to me in a way where I really, truly understood it. Well, it's news to me because I don't trust um, <laughs> somebody who works in PR. Right. Unless they're also like Dr. PR. Dr. PR. You know what I'm saying? What a great name that would be. be well, we do know one guy who changed his name to, um, what is it? Dr. Uh, Olympic? Dr. Awards Show. Dr. Awards Show. That's true. We'll get to that another time. But true we know story. a man who changed his name legit to Dr. Awards Show. Great choice. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> anyway, this is so great to learn from us from like a scientific standpoint, because I don't I don't have enough of that in my life. And you doing this fellowship is um, allowing me to trust Things that I might already think I know, but I'm suspicious of why it's important. It's pretty, pretty neat. One other thing that we did learn that I thought was really cool is we stu they studied the germination rate in um, because cannabis is largely transported. Tra cannabis seeds are transported by water. They're also transported by animals who are eating and then pooping. And um, just like sloths are responsible for the spread of the avocado, which I learned recently because did not sloths know that. were the only ones who were like eating and pooping out avocado seeds. Whoa. Um, large um, grass-eating animals like bison are in many cases responsible for the spread of cannabis. And there was a researcher at the University of Vermont who decided to see about the germination rate of seeds going through an animal, like how many, what percentage of seeds would germinate. Um, and so he fed his dog a thousand hemp seeds and then like followed his dog around and collected all of his dog poop and like did this whole thing with this and we had slides of this sweet dog named oakley and it was like here's the germination rate when all of these seeds went through oakley it was 13 percent germination rate it's a nice germ it's rate not too bad and then it, and then it was like oh well what does it look like when it goes through a person who uh, like an uh, animal who chews because dogs don't chew mm. and so then he performed it on himself uh, Dr. McPark McPartland, I believe is the researcher's name, and he um, then ate the same amount of seeds himself, performed the same experiment on himself, and it was a much, much lower germination rate because he crunched the seeds Because he was crushing them up. Mm -hmm. So we need carnivorous um, seed germination animals. Her or herbivores are the best. Well, like, no, because they would crunch the seeds, right? Um, I don't know. I guess the, the bison weren't crunching them. They're not chewing them. They're just swallowing them whole? I guess so. Interesting. Yeah. Also... What a cool experiment to that guy. Like, I think it'd be so easy to make like some poop jokes and be like, oh, is that what? But tr it's, straight up, that's fucking cool. Scientists are the coolest people on the planet. Like truly, truly, truly. And I'm so excited to be like learning from scientists who are studying cannabis. This is my first time really being in close proximity to cannabis researchers for an extended period of time. They're geeks. I love it. Mm -hmm. They're fucking nerds. And it's the coolest thing in the world. Dang, that's really neat. Yeah. Oh, man. Following your dog around and just like measuring the germination rate of the... Seeds he poops out. Oh, that's really cool. That's a good job. Also, 13% is a lot higher than I thought. Oakley's really cute, too. <laughs> is this a good place to get to our news? <laughs> because it is about science and research. It is. Um, I think we have a slide. Is it? Do we put it up? No, there's. Yes. So, no, it was. Yep. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so, Grubble Gazette this week is coming from Greta Thunberg. She tweeted about it. Um, Hold on. And everybody, when we put up our Greta Thunberg TikTok, and everybody who's like, fuck that kid, shut that kid up. Oh, like a little girl's going to save the world. Yeah, maybe so. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Shut up. 
<laughs> she is drawing attention to the climate crisis in a way that very few other people have um, in, you know, with her school strike and now, you know, just her activism in general. And she's grown into just an incredible fucking young woman and activist. And she's not a little girl anymore. I believe she's 19 or 20 now and she's fucking kicking ass. She just tweeted this week. I don't know what is scarier, the fact that atmos atmospheric CO2 just hit the highest level in human history or that it has gone close to completely unnoticed. And then she links to this um, graph where it shows that atmospheric carbon dioxide just hit the highest level in human history at Mauna Loa, which is in Hawaii, on April 6th, 2023, up 3.84 parts per million from one year ago, and um, I think it comes from the National Organization for Atmospheric Administration, which is at NOAA, uh, and it's fucking terrifying. This this is the first time in human history that it has been recorded at this level. I don't know much about this, but my logic brain says we breathe oxygen and we release CO2. Correct. So it sounds like there's too many people in the world and we have more CO2 than oxygen and CO2 isn't healthy. It's definitely that's my like dumb it, dude, not science kind of logic brain guessing what this means. It is absolutely on the right track. The rising CO2 levels are part of the ma a major piece of the climate crisis, and it's largely due to destruction of um, the things that breathe CO2, which are plants. So the Amazon Amazon rainforest and just, you know, like the forests and, and wetlands and grasslands and natural habitat around the planet um, is a huge part of it. Also spewing pollution into the air, which is then affecting um, carbon dioxide levels, like the um, output from a lot of um, fuel emissions has huge amounts of carbon dioxide in it. So it's I don't, it's not that we're breathing too much. Um, but I think everyone should breathe once every five I, seconds. Everyone should breathe less. Breathe less. It's actually really, I do slow my breathing when I do meditation and they'll do like, and breathe out on a count of five and breathe in on a count of five. And it feels really nice. So yeah, that's a uh, Navy SEAL training thing. Breathe, Under high stress situations, focus on your breath, breathe less, and everything else gets more dialed in because you're just thinking about one clean thing. Clean, meaning like a clean thought, mm -hmm. and um, and it it makes decision making that much more pinpoint and mm. ability to not second guess. And yeah, breathing is it's all breath work. It's all breath work. It all comes down to the breath. Okay, yeah. so everyone breathe less. Everyone breathe less, and we'll save the world. And also, <laughs> um, fight to save uh, you know all all of the things that we need to save as well, like you know the Amazon rainforest and um. And, you know, your our own local fucking parks and trees. I got a pitch. What? Well, you know how on that one episode we were talking about how we know more about Andrew Tate than the fact that the ozone layer is being healed? Uh-huh. I think we need more holes in the ozone layer now to let that carbon dioxide out. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. We need to poke a couple holes, let the, carb the CO2 out. Stitch them back up. Right. We should, okay, fuck the Montreal Protocol, ramp back up production of chlorofluorocarbons. Mm -hmm. More cows releasing methane farts. Yep. And just poke a couple holes in the ozone. We want that ozone looking like Swiss cheese. Yeah. And yeah. then once it all escapes and we can get like rid of the pollution and stuff like that. Could we then also strap Andrew Tate to a rocket and shoot him <laughs> out through one of those holes? <laughs> Into the fucking Well, if we're going to do that, space. then I want them labeled with a point system right. and you're going to go for like a million pointer because it's a smaller hole. But if you can slide him through that oh, ozone God. hole rocket, then you win like a million bucks. Yeah. Strapping misogynistic billionaires to rockets to shoot them through ozone holes sounds like an incredible fucking pastime. <laughs> Elon, you're next. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. And then it's com it's almost like you can do a lottery system for it. Listen. Just like the lottery. And then if you you aim your little rocket with yeah, a misogynist yeah, yeah. attached to it, and for your family, maybe you win $10 million. Maybe I, you hit the side and you bank you, you brick. Who knows? Yeah. Well, you could bank it. It could be like playing pool. Or maybe it could be like playing pinball, which we did uh, last week on my birthday. I wanted to play pinball. And we all went and played pinball. Thank you, everyone who came out. It was such a good time. And I wasn't as good as I used to be, but I felt pretty um, okay when I played Pinbot and I got the multi-ball because I made the thing open and I got the balls in and then I, you know, I didn't last very long with the multi-ball. I didn't get the high score, but that having happened makes me think that I might be able to, you know, correctly projectile expose projectile vomit andrew tate out of our um, atmosphere and into space which is where he belongs i love it i think this is a fun idea to raise awareness about um climate change yes strap a billionaire to a rocket <laughs> fantastic bezos yeah. you know we got so many all yeah. those russian oligarchs i kind of like bezos you like bezos a little bit i feel for him i don't like him i just feel for him i've talked about it on here before i don't need to get into it too much but i i have a soft spot in my heart for the bees okay the bees can stay um gates can stay no no you don't I like don't, gates? i don't trust gates why because he's oh he was like a pal with uh epstein right he's a he's an epstein pal he's always buying he's buying up a bunch of farmland and he's buying up a bunch of water and he's buying up a bunch of secret things that's and then he's, right he's like doing things that i feel like are low-key super like one percent of one percent of one percent or stuff for the future yeah and he's just like oh i'm just a weird glasses guy but low-key I, I feel like he might be low-key sinister okay yeah they're all are kind of sinister at that level right jk well, rowling sinister as fuck i think there's also something about like i think what we really need is we need the ability to become a billionaire in your like late 20s early 30s oh no because i think by the time you're in your like 60s and 70s mm. you're so late to the game on how the world really works and now you're just like land grabbing and being a real piece of shit for everyone <laughs> to go on like after you where i think that newer younger generations who want the best for friends and family and like to save the world because there's still hope in their hearts that's who should have a lot more of the money to make the actual change because i've never met a billionaire i know some rich motherfuckers and they're all in their 60s or 70s mm -hmm. and they are stubborn they are yeah. fucking stubborn i don't feel like the bros who have billions who are in their 20s and 30s are better though if anything i think they're worse because they have like i don't know youth on their side and nothing to care about so they're just like i feel like those those are the misogynists those are the andrew tates hence the strap them onto a rocket the younger you are the faster you go <laughs> that's it's my so, point system. it's so funny how like cool the young and chill first. you are but you want to burn it all down sometimes oh, yeah. i wonder if you want to burn it all down more than i do i'm a secret republican who wants to burn it all down god damn i had no idea and i'm more i'm a i'm a liberal who wants billionaire bros did we, did we switch sides <laughs> did. what happened this weekend <laughs> we had our birthdays and we did like a freaky friday where like all of a sudden i'm a, i'm you and you're me that's so funny oh crap well okay. i had one more um where was MJ on January the 6th? Are you going to say January the 6th? Yeah. Oh, no, Mark. You know I was at the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> were you? Oh, yes. but you were trying to stop everyone. I was trying to stop everyone. <laughs> you was, were standing at the I gates. Was, I had I had a, I was the human barrier between two barriers, and I was facing off the shaman, and I was like, get back. Get back. I'm protecting the government. <laughs> 
don't know what that would look like. I did fly to DC for the women's march. I will say, like, I've I've definitely gone to DC for some stuff. I I was I was at a, um, Obama's inauguration, which was one of the coolest things I've ever been to in DC. Yeah. So, um, yes, but January. I was 6th, in Chicago for that in this in the streets of Chicago when all of that happened. It was. Um, it was powerful. It was special. I'll I never look, forget that feeling. I look forward to like the next time we are able to celebrate someone taking that office. Yeah, truly, that's a good thing to look forward to. And I, I truly have hope. With there's a guy that I just followed on TikTok. He, someone had posted about him, and they're like, "Who's this 14 year old Harry Styles yelling at me from his mom's kitchen?" And he was like, "Actually, I'm 21, and it's my apartment. And if you're mad that Gen Z is fucking here, and we're not going to shut up about it." you know, get fucking ready. And he's so progressive and he's just screaming about women's rights on TikTok and Twitter. Mm. I can't remember his name. Cameron Mowry, maybe. Anyway, it was it was thrilling because he's saying everything that I would. I'm so excited to hear from a young white dude. And I was like, oh, my God, he's showed up and he's like he's pissed about fucking gay rights. He's pissed about women's rights. He's pissed about civil rights. He's pissed about all of the shit that all of the right wing are doing. And he's like uh, and he's like a young TikTok star. And cool. it was, I was like, OK. I'm not as um, terrified all of the time when I sort of see that bubbling up. The the fact that the Gen Z activists are showing up in Tennessee right now in wake of the shootings. Um, the fact that those two young lawmakers, the black lawmakers who were expelled from the Tennessee legislature, are looking likely that they're going to get their seats back. Like it's there are things moving in the right direction. So excellent. Yeah. And the more rockets we can used to get the bad I got guys rockets out of here. ready for fucking days. <laughs> I love that in your perfect world, we save the world and we save the climate by shooting more rockets yeah. in this space because long term. If you're a problem, you get strapped to a rocket and fucking launch. <laughs> She's more of a monarch than we thought. Good yeah, God. Yeah, I wouldn't be good in charge at all. I would be making arbitrary decisions based on how I feel about you, which is truly not good for anyone. <laughs> I um. Do we have time to get to this thing that I wanted to yeah, bring up so. before we do buds of the week? Absolutely. Okay, because you are inspiring to me with all of your um fellowship ness that I wanted to kind of do my own research into something, and I uh, I follow complex pretty closely. It's all the things I care about: hip hop, sneakers, fashion, um, and they just posted something from a book uh, in 2017. And I'll get to it in one second, but I just wanted to say what this is, is photos from school lunches around the world. Okay. And we'll start here at the US, but hold on one second, Mark. But it's important because you were like, cite your sources. I'm learning how to cite sources in science. And so what this was, was actually by Sweetgreen, which is the restaurant. Okay. And what they did, just to clarify what we're about to look at, was they wanted to show the disparity between American student lunches and those of other countries by photographing what would be in typical school lunches from around the world. It's a representation of what those lunches look like, pulled from a bunch of different school lunch programs and comparing data from real photos that students had posted to social media platforms. So it's a lot of data being pulled to show what a typical school lunch would be in each of these countries. Great. And it just made you just made me like kind of excited to do my own research into something I'm interested in. So for the US, if you're watching our YouTube, you already see it. But if not, you know, it's chicken nuggets, a cookie, peas, mashed potatoes, ketchup. And maybe peaches? So maybe, it look like a little fruit cup. Fruit cup, a but fruit it's cup. like corn syrup, right? Yeah, those things are sweet as hell. Like those, what are they called? Um, what's the brand? Dole fruit cup. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Right. And then we move on from the US where the school lunch program is real screwed. And okay. we have something like Brazil where it's like plantains, red beans and rice, salad, broccoli, a nice piece of bread. Wow. That's so interesting. What else do you have? Did you Keep pull going. up a bunch? Yeah, yeah. A ton. Italy, where we have some nice penne, maybe some chicken on top of a bunch of green 
salad, a piece of bread, some kind of like feta, tomato, olive oil, basil situation, and a bunch of fresh, crisp grapes. I wonder if like Italian children actually experience that as a school lunch or if this is just sort of like some sweet green idea of what, because they obviously like pulled well, it from- that's what they said. It's yeah. like data pulled. So this is like a typical representation. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they left out the canteen full of rosé, but- <laughs> I wonder you know. if like, do Italian school kids eat lunch in school? My my thinking was that they would probably go home for lunch, right? Like, I oh, feel I like don't a, think so. Like in a lot of, well, when I lived in Paris, a lot of the school kids would go home for lunch. It was so interesting because huh. they really live like, they go to the school in their neighborhood. And like, I always went home for lunch when I was um, at least in elementary school. Oh. If you go to a school that's kind of in your neighborhood and hopefully you do, you can walk to school and then you walk home for lunch and you get a little exercise along the way. And then your parents are able to like, you know, because American well, What does kids, recess look like then? Recess, you're just at school. You just go so out you in go the yard. So you go back for recess. You, yeah, yeah. In recess, you're, yeah, recess is just recess. But like, I think part of the deal with American school lunches is that it is taking care of kids who would fall through the cracks otherwise for being fed in that crazy way. Way that you know we have like such a crazy poverty level in America, and that was the crazy thing with public school lunches in the '80s when like Reagan tried to make ketchup a vegetable, right? And that whole thing, people were so outraged because they were like, "This is what's feeding a large portion of our nation's children." And a and big I part just, of that was the sugar lobby too. Yeah, like we could get into the research on that, but like I hate the word "big blank." I think it's so hack now, but truly, big sugar and ketchup, like all of that soda. During Reagan, all of that was being lobbied for as like healthy alternatives for like the most people possible because well, nobody has money. Jelly beans. <laughs> I know it's such it's yeah. bullshit. But yes, so like the idea of ketchup as a vegetable is all because of like the money behind sugar school lunches pushing stocks so i'm just interested to know like i i would be interested to know what the percentages of danish kids or italian kids or you know argentinian kids how many of them are eating school lunches well as compared to american children for me we couldn't afford school lunches and i don't think um at least i don't know if my parents looked into that kind of program where you can get free lunch but my mom just made my brother and i lunch every day it was peanut butter and strawberry cream cheese sandwich chips cookies uh, and a juice box. Mm -hmm. And that was my lunch every single day all through elementary school. But I would also say that the alternative of having a free school lunch, if that was what I, I would get or buying it, um, it was like Taco Bell Tuesdays and yeah. chicken sandwich Wednesdays and square pizza Thursdays. So the difference between me eating chips, cookies and a peanut butter and strawberry cream cheese sandwich from my mom or eating the school lunch, which is a fruit cup with corn syrup and a square pizza that is all bread and sweet tomato paste. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, like Wild. what a bummer. What other picks do you have? So the next one is really interesting to me because it's Finland Ooh. and it's like a crepe with strawberries and blueberries, some uh, roasted carrots or seasoned carrots, beets, uh, a nice cup of soup and again, a thing of bread. A piece of bread. Everywhere seems to have the components of health except for America. The bread that you've showed me in every picture also is like, it looks like a freshly baked whole wheat roll or something. It's definitely not like a processed hot dog bun kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And so uh, I think there's two more and then... Um, South Korea, there's kimchi and then it looks like some maybe egg with some like rice and peppers and broccoli and a beautiful soup that maybe it's like a miso soup or something. It's got, exactly. Maybe it looks like it's got tofu in it. And I feel like I think that Korean looks, food is right. That's oh it for God, me. God, I love Korean food. It's so delicious. I feel better when I eat it. I'm mm -hmm. always full, but I'm not overly full. I have energy. My skin looks better. This, Everything about this is it for me. This one also I think is the only one that we've seen. Well, I don't remember if Finland had meat on it, but this looks like it's all like... It's mostly vegetables, maybe with a little bit of egg protein. Yeah. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And then I think there's one more. 
France. Oh, France. They've got Brie, of course. <laughs> Which this is why I've saved it for last. And is that a piece of duck? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> French. I mean, God love them, but like, yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a meal for like a yeah, a like six-year-old. For, that's a that's insane. That is a meal that I would order at a nice restaurant. That is fabulous. Brie, apples, uh, green beans, kiwi, some kind of orange, like maybe a sweet potato or something. And truly, it looks like a piece of roast duck. Yeah. <laughs> God love them. <laughs> love the French. Yeah. You know, they're out there being fucking outraged about having the retirement aged raised by two years. I love them. Yeah. I love them. So I just... Um, I, I don't need to go on. I, I, I know we're like describing food for right. people listening, but I just, I thought it was very interesting. So, um, so I, I, I don't know, like we grew up so differently with our own school lunches, yeah. but I truly remember how little energy I had for recess eating school lunch. And I was exhausted Wait, for the rest of the day. Wasn't recess before lunch? No, 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 no. The way we did it was, um, you would do your morning classes and then lunch and then recess, and the whole thing would be like an hour to an hour and a half. What recess was at the same time as lunch? Um, at, well, so that's the that's the, the other fuck part are of you it. Talking about, so dude? it was really crazy because lunch and recess were all one, and no. at a certain point, let's say lunch was a half hour and recess was let's say forty five minutes. I don't know. Um, but if you <laughs> if you were done if you weren't done eating by the time recess happened, you had to make the choice: Am I going to stay in the lunchroom? Yeah. Or am I going to go out to recess and nobody wanted to lose recess recess time. So we're all just like scarfing our fucking lunches to be ready to go outside and play on full stomachs. And then the rest of the day, I just am trying not to like fall asleep. Um, it was real wild. It I've never wild. heard of recess being at the same time as lunch. Also, our recess was 15 minutes long. You would have first period first class would be like from 9 to 9.45 and then you would have a class from 9.50 to 10.30 and then you would get 15 minutes until 10.45 where you could go out and like kick a ball around in the courtyard and then you would come back in and you'd go to classes again until like 12.30 and then at 12.30 you would have like your half hour, 45 minutes for lunch and then you would go back to school until the end of the day. That was that that's what i know wow about for no recess and, no no whoa yeah you get one hour and a half block in the middle of the day to be free oh and then the God. rest of the time you're just in different rooms no wonder we're so different yeah it's 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 crazy that's it's crazy. it's crazy too because the second half of the day that'd be when like i'd have history class or something that i um no you'd be exhausted i'm done you're yeah. trying math. to learn like oh i remember one year they put math on the back end of my schedule oh, no it was game over i Whoa. i think i cheated my i've cheated my way through every math class but yo wait so did you have recess throughout school? Like, did you have recess in junior high and high school or just in elementary school? Well, junior high recess was mostly just like making out and fingering each other in the library. But you had recess is what I, you're saying. I think so. <laughs> okay. So, oh yeah. No, it was a yes or no the question. details, Mike, about what you fucking did. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you had it. I think yes, because we all played basketball with this dude named Sequoia who could make shots from anywhere. Because he was very tall. Uh, no, he was just a sharpshooter. We we're all like four nine or whatever. But why was boy, he named he could Sequoia? If he I don't know. Super sickest tall. name though, right? It's a fucking great name, but it means like the tallest tree. Well, I don't know him anymore. Maybe he's seven feet now. Was that his actual name? Yeah, Sequoia. Whoa, that would be so unfortunate if you were named Sequoia and then you ended up not being a tall person. I'd be curious to know. That'd be real hard. But he could play ball, and we sh I we want play you to find him day. and find out if he is a tall person. Okay, I will because I I know I know we got mutuals still. 
Got the the only reason to have Facebook is to look up Sequoia. Got the mute on the FB. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I keep it too. Yeah. Get so, um, yeah. So we, we did, de- we definitely had recess all the way through yeah, cause high school. I didn't have recess starting grade seven. There was no recess. You just had school and there was a lunch break. That was it. That sounds really hard. It it sounds hard to be to make friends and understand how to build community and something like that. I think having that recess and being able to hang with your friends and find your social circles is a big part of recess. My, Not only that, but stretching your legs. And my social around. circles were all extracurricular. I did water polo and swim team and like theater stuff, and I was a rower for a while, and I did German club, and that was like that's where all of my social circle was. I'm oh, not saying I, I did was, uh, smoke weed. I wasn't popular. every day after school. <laughs> I did. Um, do you want to buy weed from me mm-hmm. every day after school? I did mm-hmm. that club. Uh, what was another club I did? Um, I, I work at finger I work- my girlfriend. I guess <laughs> was one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was. Club. It, club. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so illegal. It was in the library. Okay. I know we're about to get to Buds of the Week, but that's You're just where, reminiscing about how hot that was? It was so hot because I had never had a... It was like one of my first girlfriends that you did stuff with, mm-hmm. but we couldn't go to each other's houses mm-hmm. at all. So the whole thing was kind of hush-hush. Yeah. And so every day after school, we would stay after to study and we would give each other like handy work in the library. Wow. Yeah. And then touch books. Yeah. (laughs) I pity the librarians. (laughs) There's no way that, well, this might have been before everything was surveillanced, but maybe not. Maybe not. I think you would have been shut down if they had known about it. So I I feel certain that you probably got away with it, but I hope you both cleaned up real nice after. I think, um, I don't remember, but Mark just cleared his throat so we can move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got to go. Is it time for Buds of the Week? Yeah, it's Buds of the Week. Okay, you want to go first or second? I would love to go first. Great. Let's round it out the way that we started. Okay. My Bud of the Week this week is friend of the pod, friend in real life, um, amazing magician, great Vegas pal. We've known each other now for five years. Previous guest, Anastasia Sin, at Sin on Instagram. An amazing follow, an amazing human. And Anastasia just won the Guinness Book of World Record for the most technological implants in a body with 52. And it was achieved on in Milan, Italy on the 2nd of February, 2023. Anastasia Sin, congrats on being in the Guinness Book for all of your technological implants, you cyberhuman you. She's, yeah, I, when she was showing us all of the cool things that she could do with all, like she's got magnets and like RFID cards and she can store information on various, like I can only imagine she can do so much more now. Like what are these implants doing, Anastasia? If I can remember correctly, and I'm doubting I do, she has like a computer in her leg, in Whoa. her thigh, and she can program that computer to link up with her phone no. and also a um, some kind of thing in her hand so that she can actually wave her phone in front of her leg and it can call 911. Um, she can tie her hotel key card to her hand. And because she's a magician, somehow it all links up. And then when she goes to a hotel, she waves her hand in front of her room door and it'll unlock. <laughs> like it's fantastic so cool congrats anastasia that's a huge freaking deal and she also posted that they really never send medals like um guinness uh medals like gold medals anymore but they sent her one because she is the very first 
of this type of title. She's too. created the record. She's created the record. Wow, she's she's literally set the set. The, she's the one to beat. Yeah, that's it. So super cool. Yeah, congratulations, Anastasia. Um, my book of the week is our friend Courtney Nichols. Courtney is at Courtney Disco on Instagram. She is a party purveyor. She is a queen of the evening. She is uh, just one of the all around coolest humans I've ever met. And uh, her friend network is top, so top notch. And she pulls together the most beautiful events. And she used to have Disco Dining Club. Um, and now I think that's on hiatus while she is doing this incredible new venture with Moxie and AC, who are very fucking lucky to have her. Uh, so give her a follow. Check out what she's up to. She's always going to connect you with whatever is good in LA. And if you're visiting LA, you can probably stay at the Moxie and maybe meet her yourself and just get to uh, see how cool she is in real life follow her on the instagrams absolutely um i have been your liberal co-host mike laser and i've been your conservative co-host mary jane gibson <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us at weed and grub on instagram at mike and mary jane on tiktok at weed and grub on youtube uh email is wg at weed and grub.com uh let us know who you want to send a rocket into space uh tie a rocket yes. let us know who you want to tie a rocket to and send them into space for a million <laughs> points uh what your school lunches looked like what am i forgetting uh leave us a review leave us uh five stars help us get into um more buds ears we're so grateful to everyone who's helping us do that right now and check out our live show if you're here on 4 20 9 30 at the pasadena ice house we're gonna have such a good time we'll have games giveaways stand up surprises magic and more Yes. And if you get to a restaurant and would you go to a restaurant at 930 if it closes at 10? What is your policies? Let's not forget. I want to Do hear from everyone. agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye, everyone. Bye.